This is Physician to Physician Plant-Based Nutrition. I'm Tracy Cushing, an emergency medicine physician. I'm also a mom, a wife, four-time Ironman, and I've been plant-based for 11 years. And I'm Eden English. I'm an internal medicine physician, a hiker, a ski boarder, a mom, and I've been vegan for the last five years. We're passionate about helping other doctors learn the science behind plant-based eating so they can help their patients develop sustainable, healthy eating habits. Each episode, we're breaking down the science behind plant-based eating and answering the questions we know most doctors have and most patients ask. Hello, Eden. It's great to see you. Hey, Tracy. It's good to see you, too. And welcome, everybody, for our fourth episode. We're happy to have you guys back for our next installment of the podcast. And today, we wanted to cover general vegan nutrition. I know when people go vegan, they're concerned they might miss out on various nutrients. We talked a lot about protein last time, so we won't hit hard on that today. We'll just mention it briefly. But we wanted to talk about a few bigger studies that help us sort of get a handle on, is there a problem when people go plant-based with any particular nutrient? Unfortunately, there's a lot of case reports out there of people with various odd vitamin deficiencies from weird dietary patterns. And it has been propagated that, for example, raising vegan kids may be bad for their health because of vitamin deficiencies and other stuff. And that just simply isn't true if you follow a whole food balanced plant-based diet. And so we wanted to sort of debunk the fact that you can't get everything you need to survive as a human in a healthy way on a vegan diet. Absolutely. And they do all of the different academies, the, the American Pediatric Academy, the American OBs, they all agree that a, a well-planned whole food plant-based diet is adequate for all ages and stages. So you want to feed breast milk to babies, but as soon as they come off that, you can switch them to a whole food plant-based diet or a vegan diet. And similarly, women of all ages, including pregnant women, can be healthy on a whole food plant-based diet. And there's no upper age limit either. So we'll talk in one episode about seniors more in detail, but it doesn't mean that at 75, you need to start eating steaks every day to stay healthy. So you can get what you need from plant foods for all ages and stages. And Eden, what about you? Do you take any supplements in addition to your diet or are you are you strictly a food-borne vitamin eater? <laughs> I am really about getting it in foods, but I do have the luxury of being able to consume a wide variety of plant-based foods. So I don't have any restrictions other than if it came from an animal, I won't put it in my mouth. But I eat pretty much everything else, nuts, seeds, beans, seaweed, nooch, all this stuff. And nooch, even though it's a supplement, we'll talk about it later, it's a food supplement to make things taste better, but it is fortified with a ton of things. Um, so aside from Nooch, we actually have a little B12 dispenser on my counter to put the droplets under our tongues and everybody in the house takes it very occasionally. We've had the same bottle for a year. So we're not really taking a lot of supplements. But how about you? Because I know that you have you have some food allergies. So you've got a little bit more of a restricted diet, don't you, Tracy? I have a tree nut allergy. And so I can eat peanuts, which is great. And because they're a legume technically, and as are 
almonds, ironically, because they have a rind. So they are also technically not a tree nut, which I learned when I ate a Mars bar at summer camp and did not die and was like, oh, man, that's great. Look at that. I can eat almonds. Um, but no walnuts, macadamias, cashews, none of that stuff for me. Um, and because I'm not always super reliable in getting everything I need from a well-rounded diet, I do... I have a B12 supplement that I'll take probably once a week. And that's really about all I need to just sort of top off whatever I'm getting from food. Um, and being recently diagnosed with osteoporosis, I've started taking supplements of vitamin D and calcium um, because I found it really hard to, to eat enough to meet what I needed to actually increase my levels, not just to maintain them. Um, I'm outside in the sun all the time. I thought my vitamin D would be great. Turns out, it actually was was kind of low. So those are the ones that I supplement, but that's because I have a specific health condition. Before I had osteoporosis, I was not supplementing with anything. And I think as we'll talk about today, it really depends on your intake and your medical conditions and what you're going to be able to do and what your goals are. There are certainly supplements out there for everything we're going to talk about today. Um, and you can supplement. We'll mention a few that you want to watch how much you're supplementing. Because like vitamin D, it's helpful to supplement if you're low. You can certainly get toxic on vitamin D. For a long time, we were encouraging women to take 50,000 units all the time. That was too much. We need to be careful. You can cause kidney stones and other problems. So if you're going to take some vitamin D, take some, but don't take a whole bunch of it because you can really overdose on that. So 1,000, 2,000 a day is probably fine. If you're getting up to super therapeutic levels above 2,000 a day, you want to be careful with the vitamin D. Um, but I agree that in different people, you need to watch different things, especially if any of the foods that we're going to talk about today, you don't eat either from allergy or dislike. If you're going to restrict the plant-based diet even more than just being plant-based, you have to make sure that that food group you're cutting out wasn't an important source of nutrients for you. So really, it is about planning a vegan diet. So we're going to talk about two studies today, one in clinical nutrition, one in nutrients. They both came out in the last two years, and they both are systemic reviews of a bunch of other studies. And they compare meat eaters to vegetarians to pescatarians. And what they showed is that no matter which diet you're on, you're at risk of inadequacy for a bunch of nutrients. For vegans, it was eight. For meat eaters, it was eight. For vegetarians, it was nine. And you're at a risk of favorably high intake. So you get a bunch more of the good stuff in vegans for 10 nutrients and in meat eaters for four. So with any diet, you've got a potential to have inadequacies and you have to pay attention to it. And with any diet, you get some things in excess and that's great if they're good. Um, it's not great if it's meat because that's really not good for you. So it's we're going to talk specifically about vegan and whole food plant-based diets today and what you might lack. But I don't want the take home to be if you go vegan, you have to watch what you eat you have to watch what you eat anyway. If you go vegan, there's some slightly subtle differences in what you need to watch for. But meat eaters are not doing a good job of getting adequate intake across the board either. So just want to level set. It's not that vegans need to have a well-planned diet. Everyone needs to have a well-planned diet. Standard American, you're going to be deficient in all kinds of stuff. So that is not a good way to go. We're just going to talk about if your patients are wanting to shift to vegan and have concerns around these nutrients, here's some answers for them. And here's what you should watch for. Like 
zinc is a great example. It gets brought up a lot lately. And there's tons of plant-based ways to get zinc, but it may not be as bioavailable with the plant-based sources. So both of the studies, and we'll have the full links in the show notes, but both of them show that there's slightly lower intake in non-vegans. When you look at the total intake amount, it's adequate in vegans. When you adjust for bioavailability, it goes down a little bit. So there might be some concern there, but we don't have a lot of data that vegans are really zinc deficient. And when you look at meat eaters, they're not sufficient either. So it's not a vegan problem. It's potentially an everyone problem. And it is, as with a lot of our dietary data, it's very difficult to tell if people are getting adequate amounts of zinc. The questionnaires don't include all the foods that they might eat. We're not measuring zinc levels in any of these studies. One or two of these studies actually measured the levels, but generally we don't check the levels. So we take the limited food study we gave them and assume what they're getting. And it's just very difficult to tell. My basic answer is if you want to take a little bit of zinc, you can, but we probably don't need it. And I did want to, as we went through, just call out what foods might have these ingredients, what plant-based stuff. So with zinc, I mean, whole grains, tofu in any form, other legumes, nuts, seeds, and fortified cereals. We eat those all the time. I know Tracy and I eat those things all the time. So I don't worry about a zinc deficiency personally. But if you really limit, especially fortified cereals and whole grains, um, for whatever reason, then you might want to take some. One of the big nutrients that gets a lot of talk, especially for vegans, though it really affects everybody, is B12. Um, and B12 doesn't come from animals. It actually comes from bacteria. So if you happen to eat unwashed vegetables, you can get it that way. That's really not what we recommend, though. So everyone should know their source of B12. And if you eat meat, you get it because it's contaminated with the bacteria. So you can enjoy that thought. But if you don't eat the meat and don't get the contamination B12, then you should know where your B12 is coming from. And a lot of vegans do, like Tracy and I mentioned, we have a B12 supplement that we take occasionally. For me, it's about Nooch. Nooch is a dietary, it's not a supplement. It's something we add to a lot of foods that we eat. It's nutritional yeast. It's wonderful. It tastes like cheese sauce if you like it. Now, I've met a lot of vegans and I've met one vegan that hates Nooch and it's Tracy. But Nooch has 635% of your B12 needs in two tablespoons, and I eat that like it's going out of style. So what I tell people is if you eat a lot of nutritional yeast or some of the fortified cereals or milk that are really high in B12, you don't need to worry about it. But if you don't know your source of B12, then you probably should take a supplement. But Tracy, since you don't eat much Nooch, where do you get your B12? I do take a weekly supplement of plant-based B12, and that's also important to look at if you're buying supplements because some of it is animal-based that the bacteria is extracted from. And so cyanocobalamin versus methylcobalamin are the forms of B12. And so I really like Yarrow Formula chewable B12s. Uh, they're awesome. And I take one once or twice a week, and that's more than enough that I need. And then I think we drink a fair amount of B12 fortified milks, nut milks, uh, and oat milk as well. And so I think between all of that, I've never had my B12 levels checked. I have no reason to think I'm deficient. And I just keep eating what I'm eating and with the occasional supplement. Calcium's another big one. Calcium is 
thought by many to come only from dairy. And if you don't drink cow's milk directly, you'll never get there. Not at all true. There are plenty of plant-based sources of calcium. So leafy greens, beans, soy, legumes, nuts, seeds, seaweed has a lot of calcium. Um, There's lots of great ways to get calcium from plants. So you don't need to drink milk or eat dairy. And really calcium supplements have been in the news a fair amount over the last 10 years for increasing your cardiac risk. So unless you can't get enough calcium in your diet, I don't necessarily recommend taking a calcium supplement. I encourage people to eat a lot of nuts, a lot of legumes, a lot of leafy greens, um, and try to get your calcium that way. But for people that have diagnoses of osteoporosis, like Tracy, you might want to take a supplement. And it's yet to be seen if my supplements are actually doing anything. Again, my you know, serum calcium levels are normal. That's not a reflection of the calcium that's in your bones. And so you can have normal serum calcium levels, but still have osteoporosis as I do. And I started supplementing with calcium once I got that diagnosis and it's a plant-based, again, you have to make sure your supplements are plant-based and it's an algae source, I believe that I use from a company called Plant Fusion. And I will get another what's called a DEXA scan, a bone density scan uh, after in probably another year or so. And we'll see if my supplementation is working or not. But I really love sesame seeds and chia seeds and collard greens. And those are three things that I eat fairly regularly that are a great source of calcium as well. Definitely. And I mean, chia seeds and the seeds are great. And it's a great call out to put it in smoothies. And plant milks often have calcium too. So you can put together a smoothie that has a ton of calcium in it without putting any animal product at all in it. So just play around with different ways to get your calcium. Avocados are another big one for me that are avocados and mushrooms are superfoods. Like if you eat one serving of each of those a day, you're hitting like you know, almost 100% of your amazing nutrient needs. And so I just, just a shout out for those. Sadly, they're become becoming ever more expensive. And we'll talk about our food carbon footprint in a later episode, but back to our supplements. But avocados and mushrooms are great. We already talked about vitamin D, but mushrooms are a great source there. So eat some of the mushrooms. Those I wouldn't throw in the smoothie, but I do love throwing the avocado in my smoothie too for an extra punch of protein and other nutrients. You could try mushrooms. Have you ever tried mushrooms in a smoothie? That sounds weird to me, but hey, you can blend up anything. You actually can. There's uh, a company called Four Sigmatic that makes a mushroom basically extract. It's a powder that you can easily put into smoothies and it contains a blend of like four or five different mushrooms. And it's pretty awesome. They also make a smoothie powder and I drink those at least four or five times a week and get a ton of mushrooms in that way. Very nice. The next one I was going to bring up is iron. I know, especially with kids, I've raised my kid as a vegan and a lot of times pediatricians or other folks will be concerned about sources of iron um, in, in vegans. So what are, what are your go-tos Eden? How do you get your iron? You know, it's beans and leafy greens. Again, I keep saying those two things, but they're really wonderful and you can use them in so many different ways. I mean, beans, there's all kinds of different beans. Black beans have a ton of iron, but most beans have some iron. So you can get a lot of iron that way. Chickpeas are great. Tofu's great. Nuts are great. So eat a lot of that stuff and you really do get enough. Now, when I first went vegan, I did get anemic. So you do have to be careful, especially for menstruating women 
it's something to watch. This can happen to anyone on any diet. It's really about making sure you're getting enough iron to make up for the blood losses. Um, and I just, I shifted my diet. I did start taking an iron supplement once a week for about six months to a year. Be careful with those. I know we all know that, but those cause a lot of constipation. So we really want to encourage people to get it from their food where possible. And it just took me about six months to sort of pick up different ways to eat the beans and the leafy greens. So I was getting enough iron and now I'm doing fine, not taking any supplements. Awesome. Yeah. I don't take an iron supplement either. I just eat tons of tofu and edamame and soybeans and uh, seem to be doing just fine that way. And now that I'm newly menopausal, I don't really have to worry about being anemic anymore. So I guess that's one small silver lining that you just uncovered for me. Thank you, Eden. There you go. One last one I want to hit on that you you do have to watch for in a vegan diet. It's really the fish oils, the EPA, the DHA, the things that make fish so healthy. Um, those obviously vegans don't eat because we don't eat fish, but we can get some from seaweed. So if you eat vegan sushi, then you have the seaweed wrapper, which gives you some of those. And you also get some of the needed oils from chia seeds and flax seeds. So we'll do a whole episode on fish down the road and why we choose to avoid it and how damaging it is for other reasons. But if you're worried about the health benefits of fish, try eating a lot of seaweed. Seaweed salads are great. Having seaweed in your sushi is great. There's lots of ways to get seaweed. And you can take a seaweed supplement if you really don't like the taste of it. I know some people on the podcast might or might not like the taste of seaweed. But for those of you that do, just eat it. If not, I actually do take a flaxseed oil supplement. Um, I also eat a lot of flax seeds, but there are some omega-3s in flaxseed oil. And as a cardiovascular protectant, I have started taking a flaxseed oil supplement in the last year. Not unreasonable. We know flax and chia are very healthy. So however you want to get them, get plenty. One last nutrient I want to mention is fiber. And vegans aren't fiber deficient in general, or certainly whole food plant-based people are not. Now we've mentioned several times, you can be vegan and eat French fries and Oreos and you will have a fiber deficiency. But most of the time, fiber is one of the nutrients that vegans have in excess. Whereas standard American, even, you know, Mediterranean diets can be really fiber deficient if most of your calorie or most of your nutrient source is coming from animal because the animal products have almost no fiber. So you really have to eat the whole grains, fruits, vegetables, beans, legumes, those things have fiber. Fruits and vegetables have fiber, but they've got a lot less fiber than whole grains and beans. So you want to be very careful if somebody comes in and says they're on a low carb diet and they're not eating whole carbs and beans because they're almost certainly going to be fiber deficient. And fiber is known to help not only our GI tract, but it decreases our risks of cancers and it decreases our risk of heart attack. So we really need to be pushing the fiber. And I don't know many plant-based people that need to worry about their fiber intake because we eat so much of it. But Tracy, what are your thoughts on fiber? I agree. I think it's usually the opposite problem for folks that are newly vegan trying to deal with routine daily BMs and a lot more gas is what I hear commonly. So, which is actually a good thing. It probably means you're eating enough fiber. Um, occasionally, if I veer too heavily into the junk food vegan land, I definitely notice a difference with everything. And I have to reset myself by not eating basically 
white things for 24 hours um, and avoiding sugar and just eating more fruits and vegetables. And I don't find that I need a ton of extra whole grains. Really, the fruits and vegetables, if I eat enough of them, are are solid. But some people might not enjoy the the additional tooting that comes along with that. So, <laughs> and it's a great call out because it is. I think I've mentioned it before, but I call it a happy colon. I mean, it does produce more in your colon if you eat more fiber. So, especially if someone is newly shifting to this diet, they may complain that either they're having more frequent bowel movements or more gas, more bloating, more more tooting. Um, you can fix it. One, the longer you're on it, the more your body gets used to it and tolerates it. So it's generally a new to vegan phenomenon. And then also you can cut down a little bit on the, the portion sizes or the total intake of especially raw fruits and vegetables, but cut down a little bit on those or take something like Beano to help cut down on the gas initially when you're struggling with it. Or just embrace it as a healthy colon. I, exactly. really, like, I really like that. Yeah. Well, I think in general, there are a lot of myths out there about the health of vegan diets, the safety of vegan diets for kids, for pregnant women, for athletes. And all of those folks may have special dietary needs at certain points in their life. But in general, a well-balanced plant-based diet will get you all the nutrients you need without additional supplementation. And I think that's really the take home here is that you can put together a fully balanced diet without any additional supplementation, as long as you're conscious of what food sources you're getting your nutrients from. Absolutely right. And well said, Tracy. It's really, it's not about vegan diets might have nutrient deficiencies. Any diet might have a nutrient deficiency. A well-planned diet is important no matter what you're planning on eating. So think about the nutrients you need, eat a balanced plant-based diet and eat the colors of the rainbow. I love trying to make a colorful plate because you are getting a bunch of different nutrients. Um, so like Tracy said, if you're struggling, you might want to cut out the white stuff for a while, but the rest of the colors, just keep as colorful a plate as you can and you'll get the nutrients you need. Yeah. This is Tracy and Eden signing off. Less meat means less disease. Go have a happy plant-based day. <laughs>